Welcome to Healthy Dialogue, the podcast of the Alliance of Community Health Plans. Here's your host, ACHP CEO, Cece Connolly. Welcome to a special edition of Healthy Dialogue. I'm Cece Connolly, President and CEO of the Alliance of Community Health Plans and your host for today's Healthy Dialogue. In just a couple moments, I'll be joined by Dan Mendelson of Morgan Health for a conversation about value-based care, health equity, chronic conditions, and virtual care. Yes, 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 all topics you're probably pretty familiar with, but perhaps not from the point of view that you'll hear today. That is the employer perspective. Because as important as government programs are, think Medicare, Medicaid, more than half of all Americans get their coverage from an employer-based plan. And for most of those employers, the costs to provide that coverage are the third largest expense on their balance sheets right after payroll and office space. So naturally, it's imperative to not only spend those dollars wisely, but to contain costs without compromising care. And that's exactly why I'm so excited to welcome Dan. As the CEO of Morgan Health, Dan is taking on those challenges, helping J.P. Morgan and other employers build new, sustainable approaches to employer coverage. And he says he's going to share successful strategies with others looking to improve the health of their workforces and communities. Dan's got a lifetime of experience to tap. From his early days in the White House Office of Management and Budget, to founding that little consulting firm called Avalier Health, Dan understands just how difficult it is to transform our health system. But the system needs a good shakeup, so we're rooting for him. Now, without further ado, let's get Dan behind the mic and pick his brain a bit. Dan Mendelson, welcome to Healthy Dialogue and the ACHP Headquarters. Great to be here with you, Cece. We are thrilled to have you talking today about Morgan Health, subsidiary set up by J.P. Morgan, I think about a year and a half ago. Please do tell us what you are all about. Great. So the mission is to drive innovation in employer-sponsored healthcare. So we have 150 million Americans who get their insurance through their employers and our job and really what, what we think about when we wake up in the morning is improving the quality, affordability, and equity of the care that is being delivered to these 150 million employees. We're investing off of the J.P. Morgan Chase balance sheet. We have an initial allocation of $250 million, of which we've deployed about half of it so far. That's, that's the in a nutshell, what we're about. So, Dan, you and I and so many others in the policy, health policy world have talked for years, if not decades, with this expectation and hope and desire that employers were going to be the catalysts for change because, as you note, 150 million covered lives, big expense for businesses, no doubt about it. But it hasn't happened. And in particular, there was a bit of a precursor to Morgan Health Haven And so what's going to be different this time around? So with respect to employers, it's understandable. I mean, most employers uh, don't wake up in the morning and worry about health system change. They're trying to run their businesses. And 
they're relying on their insurers to to drive innovation uh, in the system. And I think that that's kind of the mentality. Um, I do think that employers can and need to up their game. And, you know, again, part of it is that the workforce today is more demanding with respect to a lot of the things that that uh, we see. And um, employers, I think, are bending over backwards right now to focus on health equity is a nice example of it. Um, and employers need to know that they do have the ability to drive change and to improve matters by engaging in healthcare. Um, so, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about what we're doing to um, to make that so. I think that that there are facets of the healthcare environment that will make it easier now uh, than it was 10 years ago. So for example, digital health engagement is one. Um, the fact that so many more products are coming onto the market, we're investing in a number of really interesting small companies that are delivering more innovative product uh, into the employer space. And part of it has been that a lot of employers haven't had options to deploy accountable care in their population, all they've had access to is the standard fee-for-service product. So I think it is different this time around. And so, but again, we know that in healthcare, scale matters um, because that's when you get to behavior change, especially with how care is delivered. So I'm thinking about, again, back to Haven for a second, 1.2 million lives. You have about 285,000 spread over a number of markets. So how can you really, um, you know, what levers can you pull on? So we're we're excited about about our deployment because those 285,000 lives are heavily concentrated in seven geographies where we have large footprint. So scale definitely matters, but only in local markets. So the the total number is a lot less relevant than how many you have in a particular geography. So, you know, for example, in Columbus, Ohio, we have about 40,000 employees and dependents, and we are fielding our first accountable care pilot there uh, with Vera Whole Health, which is a company that we co-invested in. And that's meaningful scale in that market. And, you know, the way that we're wired is that everything that we do for ourselves will also be available to the market as a whole. Uh, so to the extent that other employers are in that market and want to come along and have what we have, they're going to be completely welcome to come in and engage in, you know, on those terms. I want to pick up on you use the phrase accountable care and you've said that you want to move away from fee for service. We certainly at the Alliance of Community Health Plans have felt that fee for service has been a disservice to much of our population, paying for things that don't necessarily work, perverse incentives, if you will, and certainly the pandemic underscored that. In your view, is accountable care the same thing as value-based payment? So first, um, I have worked with ACHP and your member plans for over 25 years. And uh, I'll say that that in a lot of ways, what we are trying to accomplish and make available to employers is the model that your membership has pioneered over time. Uh, and it's accountability for outcomes, accountability for costs, uh, simplified co-payment structures, um, no surprises uh, to the member, or at least try to limit the surprises to the member. Um, and it's really that style of care that we believe has potential uh, to improve matters. Um, and so, you know, 
I'd say that that we're very well aligned with what your membership is looking to accomplish. Um, your membership is available in some geographies. So, for example, um, for our employees in California, they now have access to Kaiser Permanente, and we're in some great discussions and great partnerships uh, with that organization. But in Columbus, Ohio, you know, we don't have an option, and so we're going to build it. Are you finding it challenging um, to find providers that are willing to enter into those arrangements? And specifically, I hope we're talking about downside risk. Yeah. So yes, we're interested in downside risk. I'll say that as as a you know very well um, capitalized financial institution, we don't need our our providers to take full cap risk you know, for our lives. But what we do want and expect is alignment, both on the upside and the downside, um, particularly around outcomes measures. I mean, that's really the, the uh, for, for us, the most important aspect. I mean, we want providers who uh, will take accountability for diabetes outcomes and cardiovascular outcomes. And, and then also to understand where there are inequities uh, in our population and to take responsibility for closing gaps uh, that we have among populations. So those are the kinds of things that are most important to us. Um, and to your question about the provider organizations, I would say that that we're not having difficulty in the sense that we can usually find in a market that we are interested in engaging with one or two provider organizations that are are happy to be the base. And part of it is that we're going in with a large enough group of lives so that so that they can take notice. Um, and that's really how we're how we're operating. I was spending a little time on the Morgan Health website, and I love the goals that you have listed for the next five years. And one of the things that struck me is that uh, they really are predominantly about health and health outcomes. And as you say, closing gaps. Um, how did you land on those goals in particular? And I still have to think, even though you're heavily capitalized, I'm sure there are folks within JP Morgan that would like to see some ROI on all of this. Well, uh, for, for starters, I would say that um, the way we came up with our goals was really to create alignment with what we believed would drive improvement in healthcare. How your membership, mm -hmm. as well as Medicare Advantage, as well as, you know, the great work that NCQA does, you know, it's it's all that. And that's what we want is to align the incentives and the outcomes that, that we're focused on with those that are really standard measures. Like we don't want to burden providers with coming up with, you know, a completely novel set of measures. We, we believe that we'll make more progress if we use those standard measures and start to align around them. One of the things that I think it has has you know become most evident to me when we're talking about like resistance to change is that benefit organizations, uh, if like kind of the benefits groups within the companies are not incented on the basis of quality and outcomes, and I would love to see that change. I mean, I would love to see the compensation of every benefits manager in the country be aligned with those of your plans as well as those of Medicare, even if it's just the HEDIS measures, you know, so that would, I think, be be a major improvement. And that's something that we're, we're thinking about a lot. Amen. I think we, we might like to talk to you about that. 
Um, one of your specific goals is improving management of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And in the ACHP 2030 roadmap, one of the pledges that our board of directors took was in their communities to move the needle on those two chronic diseases. I'm curious, Dan, why Morgan Health is focused on those and what do you think is going to get you there? Well, it all comes down to population health improvement. And I think we're all focused on the same measures because there's now been two decades of research that shows, you know, what will move the needle, where the incidence of disease is and, and you know, how we can change. And look, I'm also very impressed with what has happened over in Medicare. Uh, and you see the outcomes associated with those in Medicare Advantage um, being superior to those who are not. Uh, and a lot of it is because all of the incentives are aligned around improving those population health outcomes. So really what we want to do um, is to start bringing those tools and technologies of accountable care into the employed population so that we can achieve the same kind of improvement that we're seeing over in the public programs. Do you see Medicare Advantage as a, a template for what you're doing? It's an analogy. So I, I would say that it's not a template because it's a very different population. I mean, you know, we our, our costs are concentrated in different areas. And so, you know, one of the organizations that we're working with right now is uh, a wonderful primary care practice called Central Ohio Primary Care. And they're uh, a they, they do a lot of Medicare Advantage work. Um, but as we are starting to craft this new program in in Columbus, it's evident that you know, we have to have pediatrics, we have to have labor and delivery, we have to have, you know, a very different set of, of metrics in, in certain areas. And then there's, you know, diabetes and cardiovascular disease where there's, there's more alignment. But, you know, we can choose from the standard measures and we can be fine. But the offering does have to look a bit different from what happens over in MA. You've also mentioned here today, and it's, it's right here on the goals, um, equity, closing gaps, it's something, of course, that our members have uh, been working on for a number of years. Not easy. Um, where do you see that effort headed with Morgan Health and the country? So we have very explicit investment criteria um, that say that every company that we invest in and every partnership that we launch must have a health equity component. So it's really across everything that we have done to date over the last 18 months. And um, I'd say that we're particularly interested in performance guarantees around health equity. And that's not to say that the providers that we're working with have full control, but it's really um, all about the alignment of incentives. It's the same thing that we're talking about with respect to, you know, cardiovascular and diabetes outcomes. So, you know, we, we trust our providers to be able to create systems of care uh, that are responsive to the needs of the population. Um, so one of the one of the places where we're actively engaged is with uh, Kaiser Permanente in California. We're very excited about that partnership, uh, and we're in the process right now of discussing kind of back and forth what the mechanisms are. But we have uh, agreement that we will be moving towards these these uh, performance guarantees for closing gaps that we see in our population, and that's very meaningful to us. It's meaningful to our employees, and, and hopefully it'll be meaningful to the market as well, because that is one of the ways that we should be uh, evaluating the performance of our providers. That's terrific. I do think that one of the new twists here is the fact that you also have an investment strategy. Mm -hmm. And so 
Talk a little bit about how that helps you drive the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. So it's it's a it's fundamental to what we're doing because when you're an investor and you're a part owner, um, you can have the discussions that that you need to have with senior management, and you can also vet senior management to make sure that they will want to go where you want to go. And so, you know, when you're sitting at the board table and you're engaging, you have a little bit of leverage. It's not to say that you don't have full control. And we're a non-control investor. We're a minority investor. But we're choosing partners that care about what we care about. And then we can make sure that that we're kind of moving along the path that will lead to the improvement of outcomes that we are seeking, you know, both for our employees as well as for the market as a whole. How do the employees of J.P. Morgan feel about everything that you're doing? And are they uh, now experiencing change? Are you suddenly saying you have a different health plan or you have to go see a different doctor or now you got to quit smoking? Look, I think that our employee population is hopeful that we can make progress. Um, And I say that with all humility uh, because progress takes time. Uh, and while we've articulated very clear goals, we're in the process of putting in place the engine that will take us there. We have, we've launched our first pilot in Columbus, Ohio uh, with Vera, Vera Whole Health, and it's going very well. We're getting very positive feedback from our employees. And look, it's because it's what they want. It's accountability. It's improvement in health outcomes and kind of taking responsibility for that. I'd say also, though, that, that you know, we've surveyed our employees and we have a really clear sense of, of their needs. And a lot of the things that they are struggling with are the things that you see nationally. So it's cost. It's surprise medical bills. Um, it is the um, cost of medication specifically. It's access to mental health care. And so, you know, these are the kinds of things that that we need to change in order for them to actually see the kind of improvement that they're looking for. So, you know, all of these things are embedded in our goals. Sure. So, Dan, from your perspective, what does success look like? Success is improving population health outcomes, um, having, uh, you know, with respect to our internal employee base, uh, you know, meaningful improvement uh, in employee engagement, in, in healthcare improvement. Uh, and then also having um, broader access to accountable care nationally for the employed populations. And we have very specific metrics that we are benchmarking to that you can read about on our website. And that's really what we see as as uh, success. Well, that is terrific. Uh, I certainly hope that Dan Mendelson will return to Healthy Dialogue and keep us posted on your progress. And thank you, Dan, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Healthy Dialogue. Learn more about the Alliance of Community Health Plans at ACHB.org and click the Add to Contacts button to connect directly with our team. We hope you'll also find us on Twitter at underscore ACHB and on LinkedIn.